Welcome to the Software People Stories. I'm Shiv. I'm Chitra. And I'm Gaiti. We bring you interesting untold stories of people associated with the creation or consumption of software-based solutions. You'll hear stories of what worked and sometimes what didn't. You will also hear very personal experiences and insights that would trigger your thoughts and inspire you to do even greater things. This is part 2 of a repeat episode of one of my previous conversations first published in 2019 since then we have crossed 200 episodes and the listenership has also grown some of you have been asking how you can know more about the topics that were covered in the past we felt that there could be related points shared by other guests in earlier episodes but for new subscribers it may not be easily discoverable so we thought that we would bring you select past episodes from time to time to help you discover more people and their stories also over time the format of the intro and the show notes have also changed and this is an opportunity for us to refresh those as well this conversation with dorai todla is the second of two parts the first part was published last week and dorai spoke about his serial entrepreneurship experience and how he innovatively finds problems to solve etc In this part he continues to share his thoughts and experience on helping students learn to code by starting with coding the joy of achievement when creating software that works also how reuse and other software engineering concepts may be introduced gradually to build larger solutions how a solution such as a bookstore can be used as an example to learn breaking the larger solution into smaller pieces that can be implemented incrementally He also talks about the quack architecture the KWAC architecture essentially learning by watching someone as an apprentice where the instructor also shares the thought process behind what is being done leveraging learning patterns among students to learn in groups and each person guiding others his experience from organizing hackathons and activating communities and finally how he finds and manages time to do so many things and where he derives his energy and inspiration from i'm sure you will find this conversation inspiring listen on you also have been working a lot with students you said yeah right and um, related to that when you uh, mentioned this you know build to learn right yeah uh, which is also probably you know twisting the whole thing which is uh, against the normal thing saying you go somewhere you learn to build or you learn to do something yeah and then you also uh now i know you, you don't talk about you know, thinking about thinking or you know, learning to learn you know, those kinds of things so when you kind of abstract or uh, you know take some of these things to a higher level uh, how does that help you, you know, is this something that uh, others can also use yeah i i i think it's like the learning to learn is meta learning right and uh, thinking to think is meta thinking so what happens is um this there is an actual problem um students uh, in in computer science engineering student today learns about three to four programming languages you know um, especially if you are nana university you know they start out everybody starts out to c then they learn c++ and then they learn one of the things like either java or c sharp or any of these things they are all fairly related languages so it's incrementally they get to more complex kind of things but if you look at the system the system has a lot of theory 
and maybe like a couple of hours of practicals, you know, maybe two practical sessions in a week, uh, two hours. And they're given a list of problems and they're supposed to find the solutions. And students apply the same technique they apply to um, their uh, theoretical study. They're saying, okay, I'll mug up all these 20 programs and if anything comes, I'm just uh, going to just, you know, reproduce it. The funny thing is that um, that is encouraged. In fact, I've heard cases where the teachers will look at your program before you enter it in the computer. And then even if one variable has a different name, they will say, hey, no, you can't enter the program because it's wrong. Wow. They say, no, no, but this is like a different algorithm. And I reduce, I have one really frustrated user. Now he, I think, used to work for Wikimedia Foundation. Now I think he works in Berkeley uh, on Jupiter. Uh, he used to tell me that, hey, most of those programs are fairly dumb and I could actually reduce it to half their size and write it, but I was never allowed to input them because there is no way for the teacher to verify. And uh, that's sad. And so what happens is about 70 to 80% of the students come out thinking that programming is another mugging job. And I say programming is very hard because I need to mug up 20 programs to get answers. And this is, I think, uniquely Indian in some sense. may not be true in some of the better institutions, but it's true in most of the institutions. So one thing that we noticed was that people were scared of uh, doing their final year projects. So they used to, some of them used to just go buy it. Not all of them, but some of them. And I used to ask these guys, why do you buy it? Because they said, I don't know how to write this big program. And they give me some IEEE paper, I'm supposed to read it, and then I'm produced its project. And I have no idea how to go from reading a vague spec to a concrete implementation that works. And I'm scared of failing in this test. And so it's a very legitimate reason. So we said, okay, let's start doing these minimal, simple sessions. Like we started these programming clubs. The programming clubs is where everybody comes and nobody knows anything and everybody writes some programs and people help each other and then get it to work. Um, You won't, I mean, it's, I don't know whether you experienced this before, is that one of the biggest joys in creating something is to see it work first time. And then, you know, you know, Hello World programs are easy to write now because in Python it's just one line. But even if you write a simple Fibonacci series or drew, draw a small house using turtle graphics or any of those kinds of things, and the first time you see it working, you say, wow, that's pretty cool. I mean, all I did was type in some five to 10 lines of code and then here it is, is producing a beautiful graphic. Um, so first yeah. you introduce them to the joy of programming, you know, joy of creating things. It doesn't matter what they create. Um, and then slowly uh, increase the complexity of what they're building. And the way to increase complexity is show them how to reuse the stuff that they've already done. These are all good software principles anyway. So you, so I introduce functions when I'm teaching programming in the second uh, session itself. Uh, because, you know, it's a draw a square using a turtle graphics and then turn square into your function, then start reusing the square and then draw squares of different sizes, uh, parameterize the length of the side and that kind of stuff. And so they start getting a complex thing. Oh, it's not that complex. Once I write something and I can package it in some certain way that I can reuse it, then I can use it as a building block for building something else. And that is not taught in classes right the because they don't have that much of time these covering the syntax when they say cover the syllabus they have to cover the entire syntax of java you need to get them uh, you know work on 20 programs and that kind of stuff so we started with that and then we said okay this is fine and then i noticed one problem and i said when i told somebody hey go go build a simple 
um, program to, you know, for a bookstore business. And then they said, what? What is bookstore business? And said, okay, it's a, imagine there is a list of books. Somebody comes and searches for a book and they should be able to find a book and find out which shelf it is on. That simple. And somebody enters all this information about book titles and authors and shelves where the books are there. That requires a basic, simple database design. Um, one table, um, a simple ability to take this search and then apply it, you know, generate like three different types of searches, one for author, one for book title, one for partial book title. You have to, when you start thinking about it, they start implementing it in small bits. Then we realize that, oh, okay, then I need a user interface. How does the user enter the query? And I need another user interface for entering new books. You know, should I upload them using, you know, a CSV file or an Excel file kind of thing? And so incrementally you start, they start realizing the problems that they need to solve to implement such a simple application. And, um, we realized that none of them knew that when you gave a problem at that level, which most of the industry people think, wow, that's a simple problem. Is that, uh, you know, search a list of uh, items and uh, show the results. And seems like a simple problem, but when uh, you give that problem, students do not know how to take that problem and end up with these bunch of functions that actually perform. So notice that, hey, this is, there is a gap here. And even though they are taught UML diagram, software engineering and all that sort of stuff it's too abstract for them so we want to make it concrete and that is what these sessions are about and this cannot be done in like half an hour's time or 15 hours 45 minutes which is with their class or two hours which is in a lab we said hey come here sit and there will be somebody experienced who can help you if you want but try it yourself and pick a problem small problem to solve no problem is small enough but it should show something in the end. You know, you should be able to demonstrate something in the end. So they learn a little bit about the user interface. They learn a little bit about uh, the underlying database design. They know a little bit in this case, if they're building a web um, application, uh, the front end and the back end of the web and what is a REST API. All these little things come, but if you teach all, take all these topics that they learn by doing and make a list and teach them in the class, they'll be bored out of their mind. Programming is like, you know, cricket, you know, you can read, read a lot about cricket, watch a lot of cricket matches in and, uh, but unless you take a bat and get into the field, you won't know how to hit a ball or unless you take a ball and, you know, throw it, you don't know how to actually bowl, right? And it is, it's a practice based, you know, discipline. And then, yeah, you, theory is good and knowing algorithms is great, but knowing how to use the algorithm and why to use them is equally important. And that's essentially what we are trying to do with Build to Learn. Wow, wonderful. That actually answers a question that I wanted to ask. But anyway, I will still go ahead. What qualities do you think uh, students need? Everyone talks about this gap between academia and when they get into the industry or actually working. Uh, You touched upon a lot of things in terms of uh, the curriculum or how some of these topics are treated. But as an individual, an aspiring student, first of all, uh, goes through all this in academia is prepared to or rather he is prepped up to be an individual contributor and then probably better than the others and so on so from that to more of a team sport even if it is just one more person that you are working with uh, what have you found and what would be some tips that uh, you would give them so i think um, individual contribution initially is good because what happens is otherwise if you are not a very uh, you know persevering person that is if you are 
it's easy to turn around somebody and ask them a question. And normally it tends to be teachers, uh, teaching assistants or lab in charge or whoever. And then initially we, you need to struggle a little bit. Uh, what I do when I teach is I tell them right up front that I'm terrible in typing. I'm going to make lots of mistakes. When I'm typing code and I always type code in front of them, I don't copy paste or anything like that. And then see the thinking process as you're typing the code, you keep explaining, okay, this is what I'm thinking, this is what I'm thinking. And then, and then I make a mistake. And then suddenly I look around and said, hey, you know, there is a mistake. And even before I ask for help, three students will say, sir, you missed that same colon there. Or sir, you named this variable wrong here. And they're watching, they're observing, and they're doing this kind of... Doug Engelbert had this, you know, he's the person who invented the mouse and uh, co-invented hypertext. And he did some amazing things in his life. And had the chance of meeting him um, and working with him for a couple of years. He used to, he had this term called something called quack kwac and we used to joke about it it's called knowledge workshop architect and essentially what he says is that you can learn more about an editor like emacs or vi by watching somebody edit than you know a practitioner you know so you need this you know it's kind of apprentice style programming right where you you sit with somebody who's very good and then they start doing it and said, how did you do that? How did you do that? And this is what I think part of pair programming success is, you know, um, is that you need to be exposed to doing things that you've never done before because you don't even know what to look for. So these build to learn sessions will, will, you know, make that happen. But going back to your question, I think there are several things, right? Give them really small problems, but don't wait till the final year when they have to do the project. Uh, so what we started doing was we started doing what are called mini projects in the third year uh, in this college. It's called KCG College of Technology. We started doing micro projects in the second year. Now, I think at the end of first year itself, we are going to ask them to start doing some things. You know? So start, thank, thanks to uh, technology development, now I think there are these Lambda functions, you know, the Lambda server, serverless computing, and all these things are becoming popular, right? What people can do is write really tiny functions and then initially show them just give them a spec on writing a ton of these functions. Then figure, asking them to thread these functions together to build little um, nano products or, you know, Udacity is a nano degree program, right? You know, so it's like something like that. And then, you know, build micro products out of it and then take these micro products and give it to people to test it. So when you get to a level of complexity where a single person cannot understand the whole program, you have a small team working on it and then you divide the work and... Uh, maybe somebody does the front end because they're very good in design. Somebody does the back end. You know, the front end is all now JavaScript and React and Angular, Vue.js and all those kinds of things. And the back end could be your favorite programming language. Used to be PHP before, Python now, Ruby, um, Java, of course, um, and any of those kinds of things. And then some database, you know, many of these good programming languages also have, uh, you know, object to relational mapper, a kind of thing or but initially they have to directly write database statements themselves and so this is a and then rotate them you know move the back-end guy to the front-end front-end guy to the database that kind of stuff so that you can build a full stack uh, programmer but the interesting thing is not full stack they need to understand from the type from the time they type one character in the keyboard to the time they see one character back on their screen what really goes on you know, what happens when you type this character? Who's doing handling this? 
where is it going in what is going over the internet what is the server receiving what happens on the server what does the web server do what does the application server or the application attached to the web server do or how does it access the database how does it get information back the entire round trip they have to know that then once you start understanding this and do it with the smallest the simplest program possible so we actually ask them to do a simple to do list the simplest possible ones add an item delete an item change an item to do list consists of just one one field and maybe a priority and then we introduce a, oh add priority now you sort it by priority then add date due date now you sort it by due date so you take you can take the small thing smallest possible thing teach them how to do it demystify the whole thing show them what happens at each one of the stages and and that is that will give them a lot of confidence see out in every engineering institution i've seen there normally a few really big stars uh, there are very few 3 to 5 people sometimes maybe only one in each batch but sometimes 3 to 5 people and these are all the kind of people that googles and the facebooks and the linkedins of the world microsofts will hire and um, how do they get to where they got because they were very interested in programming when they were in school and they never lost that interest when they come uh, came to college and they've been hacking and building things from right from their first year and i normally identify the first years who are enthusiastic about programming are the ones that i pick into all these programming clubs and a few of them inspire a lot of others in fact some of the people that i work with at least i can give you two or three cases where they not only learned a lot of things on their own but they also taught a whole bunch of people because they want no oh. company yeah you know like uh, this guy by name uv i mentioned uh, 2009 when i walked into kcg and he was one of the programmers and i know he used to we used to chat about this and he used to be frustrated he used to bring home his friends and teach them javascript and wanted them to build something and used to be frustrated when they didn't do it kind of thing and um, i have a, now an intern by name ashish who does exactly the same thing you know he's teaching he was saying i'll produce four people for you to take as interns because they'll pass i'll make them pass this you know this tough test we normally give to interns and uh, without showing them what the problems are and i'll bring their skills up to that level so the good ones once they get confident have this urge to share that and it it happens a lot among students they do combined studies and they do i mean the good ones are really really good um so if you can seed them and then if you can um, make and students can teach other students better than teachers can uh, teach students and not because teachers are not good is that the teachers are at a different level of understanding whereas students know exactly what other students problems are and even the ones who have gone past all the initial stumbling blocks and have become experts even they can relate to the problems of the students and students are fairly frank about telling others hey enak puriyala idu tell me what it is and i don't understand this thing and they are not shy to ask for help so i think putting groups of students together are doing lot of little uh, projects uh, i i would put a weekly hackathon you know in place four hours sit there and just build something don't worry about the output don't judge it the fact that you can sit for four hours and code and test itself is is a is a skill that you need to build are there any plans to uh, you know take this beyond i am assuming it is all running in chennai now 
Yeah, right now we're running in Chennai. I've had some requests from Bangalore to do it. We tried a couple of variations. Uh, we just did our first hackathon. Um, it's actually MLH. It's a GitHub-sponsored hackathon. I think happened in several hundred locations, and we did in Chennai. Um, there is there are variations of this that we are trying to do. So our theme is basically build to learn, learn to build, right? Then a couple of cheesy things like learn to learn and learn to earn and those kinds of things, right? You can play around with words, but essentially we want them to move from building to learn and then learning how to build and then how to take the things that they build and then you know start getting these small projects and stuff like that. Um, we're trying to figure out whether we can do it, uh, scale it by using online, um, you know, like coding competition style uh, approach. Uh, we're looking at that because physically there are about three, four of us as volunteers. And I think the volunteer group is growing a little bit, but traveling, many of them are students and a couple of them are working and uh, traveling around and doing it is uh, difficult. So we want to bootstrap it in a few places. But we, what we decided finally is to do themed versions of Build to Learn. Um, so we'll do one Build to Learn session will be Android and where they'll be initially taught how to build an Android application, then everybody will pick one application to do and then they'll build it over a period of time. And uh, it's very, um, uh, what is called, not instructor driven, but very uh, lead driven approach where project lead or you know, a team lead or a tech lead will, will guide them guide three, four teams kind of stuff. And once we work out the mechanics uh, and then we are happy with uh, how we are doing it, then we may want to, we try to set up a Slack group to see whether we can um, get it done online, but somehow, uh, you know, it doesn't seem to work very well. So we need, we need to crack that part. And um, so we are introducing them more and more to online competition. So we're going to go from um, offline competitions to online competitions this year. 2019, that's, you know, every every month we'll do one mini hackathon. Um, and uh, we'll probably do it in a couple of colleges, but we'll also do it independent of all colleges so that anybody uh, from any college can come and join this kind of thing. And the mentors are all people who are working because there are a lot of startups looking for interns. And the biggest problem is they can't find an intern with where they can point them to something and they go and build it, right? You, they need to guide them and spend a lot of time with them. Uh, so they would like some higher maturity level of interns, and, but if they know that they built like three, four little tiny products, and even if 70% of the code is copied from uh, some GitHub repo or say, you know some other project, open source project, it's, that's fine. Uh, if they know how to do some version management, how to do some unit testing, and some basic core skills if they learn, I think a lot of startups will be interested in giving um, small uh, projects on a freelance basis or, you know, have these remote interns or virtual interns you know, um, who can work online. And uh, when you get it to that level and be comfortable uh, with the process a little bit, then we may want to scale it. But we want to do all the experiments where we can physically see people initially and um, and the first year was spent just running these build-to-learn events. And, and the, as I mentioned, sometimes it was 20 people, sometimes it was 80 people. Once, I think it was like almost 120, and we had to show them off because we didn't have enough space. Um, but um, we are going to try different experiments. Uh, we're going to change the metrics on not how many people come to these events, but how many products or micro-products are built 
uh, in a year and that is going to be our focus and sometime by the middle of the year or maybe within after 3 to 4 months we may start experimenting with some other location oh wonderful as always adurai it's uh, very very energizing to you know talk to you right from the time i think we met first in 95 i think when you were describing the business application builder and I, i still i still remember the first uh, you know meeting that we had uh, i'm i'm very amazed in terms of you know, how you keep abreast of technology not only knowing about the keywords but actually applying them where they fit in and putting them to use that is converting your ideas into action and of course the energy you know uh, it's very contagious i would say you know those of you who met you will definitely know that and i can definitely vouch for it i keep telling a lot of people that you know uh, dorai has been my inspiration for a lot of things now particularly you know keeping in touch with what's happening and then you know, coming up with alternatives coming up with ideas and all that i don't know how you manage time with all this uh, i'm really thankful that you now you we're able to spare some time for this i think there are a lot more questions we might probably need to do one more session but um, yeah i don't want to make this too long so that the you know, people who listen you know can you know, take away a lot of things from here and then start applying them yeah thank you thank you very much you see i think it's uh, easy to get excited about certain things right and you know you have always been excited about certain aspects you know like quality for example and i still remember first meeting i think i came to the tu uh, gopal organized it and i came and gave the first talk i think uh, to a bunch of people yeah this is even before you joined you know integra um, right. so um, and then we had so many interactions after that and i think finding time if it is important is um, it's not a big big problem right if you are doing things that you like doing you have the whole day open you know like i am at a stage where i have grandchildren and you know like other than my wife there is nobody else who's going to demand a lot of my time and she has been very reasonable right from the day we got married so she lets me do lots of things you know in whatever way i want and so i do have a lot of time and then and i love technology and then um working with uh, young students you know it generates uh, I, i tell you they're amazing um, whether they know things or not whether they have a problem or not the current generation is extremely inspiring because they had some of the most innovative and socially conscious generation that i have seen i mean i keep looking at some of them and keep asking myself what was i doing at this age and i think i was just mostly reading science fiction books and chatting with my friends and you know here there are people who are doing some really amazing things so i draw my inspiration from uh, working with uh, young minds uh, and then startups you know that is the other community where people go far beyond their a calling you know in terms of uh, you know the effort they put in and all that uh, and how they work and they're smart and they're always facing problems they know how to solve problems and they're like eternally optimistic and so it's a uh, couple of communities where you know there is nothing but energy and uh, optimism and um, you have to be lucky to be uh, you know among all these people and that is the part i cherish the most and of course spending time if you are really interested in doing what you know what you're doing then is not a big issue because you can always find time thanks dorai once again thank you
We thank Siddharth for the music and Anita for promoting the software people stories. If you like this episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast client and spread the word in your network. If you'd like to share your story, contact us at podcast@pm-powerconsulting.com.